0: This week on the Tenney Podcast, The Real Jump Man with Jason Lekaya.
1: It was controversial, but it was very effective. Just go to a department that's gonna pay you more money to do less work. The whole thing is the quality of life. Like, if you did that for 20 years, that's definitely gonna drain your life. When you get up, you can figure out what kind of house you wanna build. Like, usually, to impact people's lives in a positive light versus in a negative light. You're just a cog in the machine. 24 hours at a time, that's what I try to tell people. Do something that really takes your mind off of the job, and takes away from the toxicity that this job can bring and bring something positive so just try to do things that bring positivity to the table the job the job will remember you what happens if you hurt your back tomorrow there's going to be another you the views and opinions expressed on the Ten Eight podcast are those of the authors and guests individually the Ten Eight podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity agency or department
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome, everyone, to episode 316 of the 10A podcast, The Real Jumpman Jay, with New York's own Jason LaCayo. Today's episode, we talk about Jason's career and the insight he brings to the table after being a 17-year law enforcement professional in the Empire State. We're going to talk about it all, but right after a word from our sponsors. Listen, it's no surprise to anyone that law enforcement agencies suck ...at getting the word out to their citizens they serve. Whether it's debriefing a critical incident... ...or educating the public about various aspects of law enforcement... ...it takes a special skill set that too many in law enforcement don't have. In this ever-changing world of social media, do you your agency, and your community a favor and check out TOC Public Relations, a company ran by former law enforcement to help you get your message out in an appropriate and professional way. Check them out on social media as well as tocpublicrelations.com. Let me tell you something you already know. Living a life in public service is a life of sacrifice, but you cannot serve the community or back your partner up if you're not physically able to do so. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, more than 40% of law enforcement officers are obese. Other studies have found that police officers are 25% more likely to die from weight-related disorders like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even some cancers. Why continue to be a liability to your partners, your loved ones, your community, and yourself? Contact the folks at fit.responders and get your fight back. This episode is also brought to you by my new friends over at RTI Training, giving you the type of training that incorporates humor and knowledge that cops respond to. Listen, we all know that you will never retain anything thanks to death by PowerPoint. So do yourself a favor and check out the new kids on the block when it comes to police training. They are revelationstraining.com. And guys, I also want to tell you about our sponsor, Jiu-Jitsu 5.0. They just came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It is the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members of the app get on demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling based workouts, yoga, and a monthly nutrition plan. They also have 24 hours, seven day a week access to Jason, the founder of Jiu Jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. So go to the app store of your choosing And download the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app today. It's available for Android as well as Apple, so get on it now. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a mission-driven wine company that proudly backs first responders and the military. With a background in law enforcement, their support for police, dispatch, fire, and the military is unwavering. Thin Vine Wines donates $2 from every bottle sold to law enforcement and military-driven nonprofits. Making awesome wine is the vehicle. Making wine with a purpose is the mission. Check out their social medias at Thin Vine Wines on Instagram and Facebook. And order online at thinvine.wine using the code 108, T-E-N, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. I hear the train to It's rolling around the So before we go any further, I want to say a few brief words about a situation going on in Tennessee. If you have been anywhere near social media over the last week, I'm sure you've heard about it. Actually, I would be more shocked if you hadn't heard about it. And here's the thing. I'm going to I made one comment the day that the news broke and I was joking about the folks being involved in the situation and that they got fired over it because well, first I didn't know they did stuff on duty. And secondly, because this happens everywhere and I made one meme about it, about the cultural diversity of those involved. But that's it. My idea on this is that a lot of meme pages are making fun of the one participant, her husband or anyone else is just a bunch of pots calling the kettle black and this whole situation speaks to a major issue in law enforcement regarding sexual misconduct whether it be infidelity sexual addiction sex on duty it's a major problem and you know I have trouble making these jokes you know it's just I I find it crazy how out of all the issues that are plaguing law enforcement this is the one that people on law enforcement, social media are latching onto. Yes, it is a problem. I'm, I'm not saying that they are innocent or anything like that, but so is mental health decline. And y'all, whoever continues to add memes to this and whatever, are adding to mental health decline. So while you're so busy making memes and adding to the people involved own mental health issues. You know that they're all having issues if they didn't have issues leading up to this, which I'm sure they did. I'm sure that's kind of what led on to it. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, people are going to fuck around and they're going to find out, but listen, you don't just do this, you know? Um, but everyone seemed to ignore the fact that a cop in the NYPD took his own life in Queens. No one is making 15 posts a day about that. No one is normalizing the talk about going to therapy. No one is talking about alcoholism being a problem or substance abuse being a problem. No. Everyone wants to make fun of people for, for doing stuff that, look, I get it. We bust balls. And that's fine, right? If you're my buddy and I see you and we're going to bust balls, I'm going I'm to make a joke about you whatever. If you get jammed up doing something stupid, I'm going to make a joke about you whatever. You don't know these people, right? At all. So it doesn't matter. This is the kind of toxicity that's wrong with this profession. Right. Uh, I keep thinking that (laughs) I'm so glad it's not me. I'm so glad that I didn't fuck up. Um, yet. Right. I say, yet because anything's possible. I could do something or, you know, something could happen, but this isn't accountability. This isn't holding people accountable. This is bullying. This is, that's it. You know, it's not like they did anything illegal, right? They violated policies and sure. There's some moral issues there, but, it's totally different than what is actually going on on social media. You guys aren't talking about the actual negative implications or how this uh, impacts our job or the, the goodness of our profession, blah, 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 blah. And like, I wasn't going to say anything because it's like, whatever, make jokes and we all do it. We all made jokes about Uvaldi and stuff like that, but it just keeps going. And people send me memes. I'm like, haha, yeah, whatever. But I don't, enough. That, that's, my, that's my two cents. And I'm not being a killjoy. I just think that it's, you're missing the point. And I get it. Not everybody's going to sit on social media and talk about mental health or talk about the problems that are really going on. Fine. Right. But don't sit here and say that, you know, thin blue line and got your back, brother, and then go shit on people because they fucked up. Right. Not illegally. They fucked up. They got fired over it. Don't get me wrong. That's a problem. But don't say, oh, my brother, my brother, my brother, my sister, my sister. And then you're just going to shit on them. And, and I think the funniest part about all this is I know that so many of you are guilty of the damn same shit that they got in trouble for. Y'all doth protest too much. I think a lot of you are just glad that this crew got caught and not you and your weird sex capades. That's, that's just kind of the vibe I'm getting. Like everyone's like, ha, look at those fuckers. Don't, don't look, don't look over here. Look at them. I'm not a religious man at all, but I'll close this last little bit with a quote from the Bible. Judge not, lest you be judged. Let's not be hypocrites. And on to today's episode. Now that we've got that out of the way and we got everybody all riled up. My guest today is Jason Lacayo, a 17-year police officer from the great state of New York. He started in the NYPD in the Boogie Down Bronx during the Project Impact days before moving away from the city to White Plains and starting it up again there. He's currently assigned to their version of SWAT or SRT where he serves as a paramedic. In the conversation that follows, we are going to talk about the thoughts and insights and the mentalities that have served Jay through his career and helps keep him afloat. There's a lot to learn from him and his experience, so here we go. (laughs) All right, Jumpman Jay, as he's affectionately known on the internet. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Uh, not too bad, man. We're just uh, here enjoying the the Florida winter, which is a lot like, uh, I guess, a New York spring or fall. So, not okay. too bad. <laughs> so, how's it going, man? What what you been up to?
1: I'm um, not much, man. Just the same old, uh, you know, work and and just working out. Try to keep it real simple in the winter. I don't I don't like to add too much to the to the pot, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. why is that
1: because um, the days are short here man I don't know if you guys get that in uh in Florida like that but like it gets dark by like 430 so I just try to stay rooted in a, in like a routine or a regimen that kind of keeps me focused so uh, it's like wake up uh, you know I have like this little morning routine Um, I do like a little journal uh, read some quotes a little bible study and then I kind of get after it not, like I move my body work out and then Pretty much head to work after that
0: gotcha gotcha so that's cool i mean i've i've kind of adopted or starting to adopt similar practices i okay. guess you could attribute it to new year new me all that crap but really it's just you know i see all these successful people that i want to be like and they all do kind of the same idea Start the morning with a little bit of gratitude, a little bit of learning, and then get their day yep. started. But uh, but we're going to talk about all that and kind of see what makes you you and, and, you know, how people can improve themselves and their own positions. But before we get to that, I want to know your story. Can um, you go ahead and tell us who you are, where you're from, and uh, kind of go from there? We'll, we'll kind of guide it from there.
1: Cool, cool. Um, my name is Jason LaCayo. I was, uh, was born in the Bronx. Um, both my parents are immigrants they came from honduras so i'm uh, i'm first generation born here uh, my brother and i actually so um yeah I grew up in the bronx I, I lived i lived there until i was about um, 13 and then i moved to yonkers new york which was a little bit of a change of pace uh it's a it's a pretty decent sized city just north of new york city so it actually touches one of the boroughs which is the bronx So uh, I went to junior high school and high school in Yonkers. So that's where I kind of say I grew up Um, because, you know, high school age is where you really experience life. So Mm I kind of figured out what I wanted to do, what I wanted to become at, you know, during that time, you know, my dad was in the military and uh, was in law enforcement. So was my uncle. So I kind of had that um, on the radar. But, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of lose sight of those kind of things because, Right. You know, there's peer influence and things of that nature. So um, there was a little period of, of my life where I felt like I was a little lost. And then I kind of righted the ship a little bit. So uh, got out of school, got out of high school, and then uh, experimented with college a little bit. Wasn't so great at it. So I figured, I said, "Um, maybe I should really look into this police stuff. So, um. <laughs> I went and got my associates and then shortly thereafter I got hired by NYPD in two thousand and five. So from two thousand and five to two thousand and seven I was uh I was with the NYPD. In two thousand and seven I transferred over to my police department now, which is the city of White Plains. So when I got hired as a as a city cop, I don't know if you heard of this program called Operation Impact. But, um
0: uh, yeah, go ahead and tell my listeners. I'm I'm kind of familiar with it.
1: Yeah. So Operation Impact was basically they would flood these high crime areas with 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 like hundreds of police officers on foot and they would just basically go out and just be proactive. That's what kind of stirred up the whole um, stop question and frisk thing in in New York. So, um, you know, it was controversial, not at the time. Later on, it became controversial, but it was very effective. I'm pretty sure I learned most of my policing in that um, Operation Impact. And, And then I did like a little bit of patrol work. And then I transferred. So when I transferred over to the city of White Plains, very uh, different type of city. Bigger city, but just um, slow pace compared to where I was. You know, I worked in the borough of, of the Bronx, which is a very, I worked in a very, like, busy house. I worked in a 4-6 precinct. Um, and it was like, from the minute you got out to the minute you you eot EOTed, it was busy. So I had to get used to, a slower job, smaller job. And um, once I figured out the, the lay of the land, I got into an organized unit um, within a year of me being there. So I did. you have to do a year on patrol. That's your probationary period. And then shortly thereafter, I was um, assigned to a unit called the Neighborhood Conditions Unit, which is like a crime-specific unit. You go out and you just proactive stuff. You prevent crime, you deter crime. So I did that for about four years. And then I was moved over to the emergency services unit which is like swat um the only difference is swat is just special weapons and tactics for esu you're either um, a medic or emt so i'm the emt and uh, we do vehicle extrication rope rescue and like tactical situations So that's what i currently do now um mm-hmm. been doing it for 17 years man i'm almost done wow yeah. wow yeah so you know we got 20-year retirement here or at least for my tier system is it's 20 years man so i'm just x in the days on the calendar count down the <laughs> count down the days you know
0: absolutely and it sounds like you definitely had a, a full-fledged career a lot of things going on um it's very interesting what you said about growing up and like Law enforcement was there. That was the possibility. But at yeah. the same time, the way your life kind of went and obviously peer influence and things like that, it kind of, you pushed away from it, but it was there at one point. And that's very similar to my story as well. So I grew up in New Jersey. My dad was a cop in, um, in West Orange, New Jersey for 26 years. And okay. he, he retired like when I was five, four or five, somewhere around there and kind of in the typical cop family, cop, parent thing. He was like, nope, I don't want that for you. I want you to do better than I did, do other things than I did. And I tried. Uh, I didn't have issues in school. I mean, aside from, like, laziness that comes with being a teenager and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I enjoyed school and, and I had different things. But financially, I just I couldn't continue schooling. And that's how I ultimately found law enforcement. So gotcha. um, what was it that kind of drew you back? Was it just the flat out, like, not really jiving at school or was there like what well what was your other ideas? Let's try that. When when you uh, were kinda pulling away.
1: Well the other idea I had was military. Mm,
0: okay. So, so
1: it was either gonna be military or law enforcement. The problem was right when I like got out of school, so right when I graduated a year later was uh September eleventh. Mm-hmm. So everybody that I knew that was enlisting was getting deployed and they were like yeah. In the middle of it, they were in, like, Ramadi, Mosul. Like, they were over there getting after it, and everybody that I spoke to were just, you know, had these, like, stories of them going out on these routine patrols and then, like, shit just hitting the fan. So uh, that was a little bit of a deterrent for me. Um sure. So I waited a couple of years. I was trying to figure out, you know, I was working and I was going to school, trying to figure out my, you know, my way in life. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, I went, to a, I went to a trade school, so I learned to trade, so I was doing, like, HVAC. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was cool, but it, it's like grueling, dirty ass work. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. One day I came home and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, f- I'm going to focus on school. I'm going to, I'm going to not do this plumbing thing anymore. And um, right when I really buckled down and like started to figure out like what the path was going to be, um, the military was still there, but like, same thing. It was still going on. This is like 2004, mm-hmm. and guys were still, over there fighting and i was like i don't know if i want to get deployed over there right away so i said all right i'm gonna give myself um a year and in, in in a year if if it doesn't work out on the uh on the law enforcement side i'll just go to the military screw it and-
0: right and yeah i i feel like well first off i feel like a lot of people don't Realize the impact that I mean, everyone understands the impact of nine eleven, of course. But like mm-hmm. in personal decisions like that, right? Because before that, before nine eleven, you know, enlisting in a peacetime, it's like okay, like that's yeah, that's kind of good. You know, get all the benefits of the military without all the action. That could be really yep. good. But then obviously something major like a nine eleven or you know, right now, you know, is a good example of like everything. You know, kind of the world in turmoil. People enlisting, going like, all right, I guess I got to start. You know bundling up and getting ready for Russia kind of thing. Yep. Totally different thing than when, when you're in peacetime or, or something similar to that or getting deployed to a, a non uh, action setting. Like right now my my uh, nephew-in-law, I don't even know what that's called, uh, he he enlisted <laughs> and he went to Alaska thinking like oh, nothing's going to happen in Alaska and then the Russia-Ukraine thing started and he's like oh. <laughs> oh <laughs> okay, yeah, this, right in the heart of it, yeah. Absolutely. Right, right, for sure. So, you know, different perspectives and how quickly those change. Speaking of that, you know, you go to NYPD and you, you know, you start out and you're in this operation impact and you're like, Oh, this is law enforcement. Right. And, and I I liked what you said, like proactive policing teaches you law enforcement. Like there's so many different aspects in proactive policing, talking to people, learning the laws, you know uh, you get really good at case law really quick when you're being proactive. Um, Absolutely. You know, and that's to me, that was always what the job was, was proactive policing. That's that's law enforcement, besides just being a glorified, you know, report taker.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: But then like you said, this job unfortunately is super political. I think cops now, you know, like the younger cops right now are really seeing that and you seem to have experienced that first, you know, full fledged years ago, you know, when, mm-hmm. when New York started changing policies. What was what was that direct impact? use the the same word you know and your idea of like is this policing is this not policing like is that what drew you to to go someplace else was the change in in um policies like that
1: um i don't know if it, it if it influenced me leaving um i think what what really influenced me leaving was anybody that i spoke to with a decent amount of time was like get out while you can that was the biggest thing for me it was like i'm talking to guys that are first grade second grade detectives lieutenants um you know guys that i was looking up to because you know when you get on the job you try to figure out what your uh your path is going to be right so mm-hmm. i had this whole thing mapped out in my brain of what kind of cop i was going to be you know i was like i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna do a little bit of patrol work and then i'm going to a, a specialized union i'm gonna try to get guns and drugs off the street i'll do that for a couple of years and then in my eighth year um you know i'm gonna go on the truck and i'll retire a truck guy like that was Mm -hmm. my whole thing and then once you you're in the middle of it and you're like knee deep in the shit you're like oh man well maybe this is not going to go the the way i planned it so um my whole thing was just listening to the guys that came before me that had the time on the job and they were like listen go to go to a department that's going to pay you more money to do less work because it's essentially the same job you know what i mean Mm it's mm -hmm. you. The the whole thing is the quality of life, you know? So I went to a city where I knew, like, there was going to be work, but it wasn't going to be every single day. You know, it was going to be, you know, a couple days a week. Maybe you might have a busy radio. And then there was, you know, nights where, like, the the radio went off, like, two times. You know, Um, but my city has grown exponentially since I've been here. And it's gotten way busier than when I first got here. But um, I think the, the major factor was just listening to the guys that came before me and just looking for a bigger payday with with like less of a workload and it worked itself out um i was able to to still you know be the cop that i wanted to be but just i got paid a lot more to do it so um, right with like, with less headaches and stress
0: atta- attached to that right yeah
1: yeah better quality of life and that's basically what they were preaching to me you know
0: and i feel like you know law enforcement kind of gets in This cycle of almost I I joke around and say it's the misery Olympics like you when you start out, you're like, oh, man, you know, you could you you could I could do this for free. Right. But then as you start looking at your way of life and your quality of life, it's like, all right, maybe not, you know, maybe working for a big city where the radio doesn't stop and, you know, every night is. You know, every night is uh, Fury Road, Mad Max. It's like, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can scale it back a little bit. And I feel like that's a common trend because I did the same thing where mm-hmm. you go from, you know, bigger city or big city to, you know, a suburban department or, or even further away than that, go super uh, rural. And I feel like the citizens do the exact same thing. And I think that's why, you know, White Plains is getting as busy as NYPD now yeah. because everyone's leaving the, the craziness of the city and going – Going out to the burbs.
1: Yeah, I mean, because we, we, we got all of that trickle from um, from the whole COVID mass exodus from the city. So, like, once once COVID hit and, and you know, the city was pretty much locked down, people were, were running out of the city. And either they were leaving the state, running down to Florida, or they were going further north, you know. So, we we got a lot of that trickle effect from New York City. And then anytime there was um, any, any policy changes or, like, you know, penal law changes... We felt that that uh that ripple effect as well, so you know when you're when you're that close to the city, because you know the city that I work in is like a half hour from New York City, so you still get a lot of that that backlash, so mm-hmm. it was good, you know like for me, it was just being able to to you know be busy but be busy when I wanted to be busy, you know what I mean It wasn't like I remember working in the four six and you know having thirty radio runs a night five days a week. You know, that was like a regular week, you know, and then uh, all all the traumatic stuff that you're dealing with when you go to somebody's calls, you know, um, multiple homicides, um, you know, assaults, those kind of things where if you if you look at it, like if you did that for 20 years, that's definitely going to drain your like
0: your social and
1: emotional battery, you know what I mean? So I was just kind of looking for longevity in the in the workforce and not basically depleting, you know, my emotional like spiritual battery, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it, you know, when you you think about like the analogy that came to my mind was almost like a cell phone battery. Like if you drain it every single day, you mm-hmm. know, within 5 hours, that that battery's not going to last you and, you know, you could obviously throw that away, get a new one, whatever it might be, but if you don't deplete that every single night and you really let it, you know, marinate and don't burn yourself out so quickly, or in the battery analogy I was going with then you get more life out of that phone more life out of yourself and you you get you know kind of a new focus on it and, and you're when you're doing that when you're working so hard right like that be, that has to become almost your primary focus even off duty because by the time you defrost by the, by the time you change your mind or you know get out of work mode it's almost like all right it's time to go back again like i just spent all my off time getting that off my mind and now we're right back into it
1: Oh, yeah. Especially if you're a young cop, too. Like if you're a young cop, that's all you want to do is be knee deep in the job. It's like you want to learn how to be this great cop. Right. So you live, eat and breathe police work. But that's not healthy, man. When you when you go home, you're supposed to, like, decompress and and, you know, detach yourself. Right. But like the minute you turn on the television or the minute you pick up your your cell phone, it has something to do with policing or something, you know, like the media is covering it in a negative light or, um, you know, Twitter's, you know, going off about policing. It's, it's very different from when I became a cop to now, because when I became a cop, social media wasn't like huge, you know, it wasn't like a main, you know, staple in in our society. Like it was there, but it wasn't like how it is right now. So, so Mm -hmm. I couldn't even imagine being like a 22 year old kid now and then trying to get on the job and, and figuring out what type of cop I want to be, you know, because in my experience, most of the young guys that I know that are out here that are proactive, they come from families of police officers. And then the other kids were like guys that were in the corporate field or um, in some other line of work. And then they just decided that, hey, you know, this opportunity came up and I might as well, you know, take it because of the pension and the benefits. And so there's there's like two different mindsets. It's like the kid who comes from the family business and then like Mm -hmm. there's the person that took this test randomly they call them and they just happened to be in this position where they could take the job because maybe they were tired of doing their you know that that nine to five that they were doing for however many years and and that's the beautiful thing about police work because you get people from all walks of life mm-hmm. who had different lives before they became police officers and you get to pick their brains and figure out you know what's their uh what's their reason why you know
0: right and i feel like you know i i gotta get a get a military guy on here because i i I'm talking kind of out of the side of my mouth here, but I feel like that's kind of the difference between the military and law enforcement, like military, you go to boot camp, and they were going to break you down. They are going to build you back to be, you know, the soldier or the Marine or the, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, that they need, right. That, mm-hmm. that serves the mission, but law enforcement, you know, you can get an Academy that it'll break you down maybe a little bit, but on the street, your personal background and where you came from and, and your likes and dislikes that plays heavily into how you interact with people on the street and
1: 1000%.
0: You know, I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about law enforcement is it's, it is people helping people. And that goes back to the the roots of what law enforcement really was about.
1: Yeah. And when you get out there, you can figure out what kind of house you want to build. That's what Mm -hmm. there was this old school cop that told me, he's like, when you get out here, you're going to figure out what kind of house you want to build. I'm like, what does that even mean? He's like, just what kind of cop you want to be? You know, you we're a culmination of of like experiences and, and dramas, right? So you're going to come to work and you may see a cop that, That you admire and that's the kind of cop you might want to be. But you may you know, there may be one aspect of how he polices that you like. And then there may be another cop that you know that you like the way he, you know, um, you know, his like his street sense. So you'll probably try to pick his brain. So I always tell people I'm I'm like bits and pieces of like the good cops that I worked with over the years that ultimately became like who I am as a police officer.
0: Yeah, I I think that's perfect. And you know, you're right you you take what is resourceful what is useful what is good and even what's bad right you you look at mm-hmm. the bad cops that you work with and go okay i don't want to do I what don't want to be
1: that person yep
0: and and from that and you know sprinkling your own personal seasoning in the mix then you get this new police officer and then when you train you know you're going to do the same thing and that is the great thing that's the ripple effect we talk about when we talk about you know throughout law enforcement and a lot of people talk about like oh what impact can i make or what impact am i gonna make and if you look at it in the grand scheme right like oh well i'm obviously not gonna win the war on drugs right that can seem a little daunting but if you can take the good parts of you and pass them on to the next generation or pass them on to your partner i think those are the things that are the true impact of the job and through that making better people yeah
1: that's the beautiful thing about police work it's like like you said, it's people helping people. And even if I can help one person, um, then I've done my job. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. You can't save the world. You can't save everybody. But as long as you do something on a daily basis that betters society, I think that's half the battle. The problem is I think a lot of people try to take on too much when they do this job and then it becomes a little overwhelming. If you just do a little bit every single day over the course of your 20, 30, whatever, how many years you are, you're going to impact people's lives. And I always say I choose I choose to impact people's lives in a, in a positive light versus in a negative light. So, mm-hmm. you know, me just going out there and being the best human being I could be uh, is the only thing I could really do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, some people may frown at the way I police. Some people may give me kudos. It all, it all depends on the, the perception of the person. You know, I can't, I can only do what's, what I know how to do best, you know, and I go by my moral compass. I feel like you know, I'm a pretty fair human being and I have an understanding as to the, you know, the community that I police. So I just try to go out there and do the right thing, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that kind of goes back to when you're new in the job, like you were saying, and and you just want to learn everything you can about it. So you just dive headfirst into it and you swim around that pool for a while. And unfortunately, and, and I'm, I'm victim to this, like, that's where the burnout comes. Cause you just hit it so hard. Yep. And I remember in the Academy, so many people saying, hey, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I, I listened to that in the wrong context. I thought I listened to it as like, Oh, we didn't catch them today. We'll catch them tomorrow. That's the marathon yep. they're talking about, not pace yourself because you're going to burn out super quick. And I think, you know, kind of that, that older wisdom that comes with, all right, get out of the pool a little bit and, and really become you is what saves careers. That's how you get someone like you with a long career, a successful career because you you really, to my understanding and what I've seen of you is like you really know that balance and that separation of the one and the two.
1: Yeah, it, it took some time to figure out that balance, man, because as a young cop, man, I, I I really just wanted to go out there and be like a cop's cop. That was like my thing. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to be one of those guys that people respected, you know, like when you pulled up on a job, people like, oh, you know, Jay's here. That's, you know, they can have a sigh of relief or they knew that I knew what I was doing. There's nothing better than having the respect of your peers. I've always said that, like, because, you know, that's how your like, quote unquote, legacy lives on. Mm -hmm. It's like when you when you leave, right, they're going to take your shield. They're going to throw it in a bin and then hand it to somebody else. You're just a cog in the machine the one thing you have is like the the memories, right? The things, the way you made people feel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it, I want to be one of those guys that like, they're at the bar and they're telling stories like, Oh, remember that time Jay did this? Or maybe that time Jay did that, you know, they're they're going over like old jobs where like, you know, we did good police work. I mean, to me, when you, when you pull them on a job and guys see you and their, their faces light up, you know, they're relieved that you're there. I think that's what I do it for. You know what I'm saying? And, And like, just being being in the community and people knowing who you are i think that's another thing that people have lost in policing like people Mm -hmm. don't know the cops anymore i remember when i first got on the job if a guy worked a certain sector people knew that such and such worked the sector and they had a rapport and they knew what Mm -hmm. shift that he worked and they knew exactly you know when he showed up when he left and if he was a respected guy they would they would return that you know they would they would they would be like, Hey man, such and such is out here, man. Don't don't mess around because you know, he'll lock you up. He's a fair guy, but he'll lock you up. You know what I'm saying? And I right. always, I always wanted to be that type of person where like if I went out there, people knew me by face. They knew, you know, and I knew them by name. I never wanted to be like that faceless cop. I wanted to make sure that people knew who I was and I knew who they were. I mean, exactly. it's different in certain places because there's bigger jobs, but I feel like if you work a, a specific area people should kind of know who you are and I think I feel like community policing is a little bit different from how how it was like 17 years ago uh, you know yes. like they community policing 17 years ago was like yeah you out there on foot you were talking to people maybe you weren't out there playing in a basketball game but you knew who who was who and mm-hmm. you knew who the troublemakers were you knew who like you know miss jones and miss jackson were were complaining about such and such in front of the building like uh, that was community policing now it looks a lot different where they you know they're doing like community events and they're doing you know they're playing basketball or flag football that's great but you know it you should be able to do both and when i came on like that whole aspect of like community getting involved with police work was like a little bit of a of a far fetched type of idea you know they had community based events but you didn't really see the police that much involved Mm-hmm. Whereas now they're, they're due to like all the older reform stuff. Cops are a, a lot different in that space where they're, they're having these like charity events and they're doing things with the, um, the youth, which is great. It's all, it's all great, but just different from when I got on the job mm-hmm. versus to how it is now.
0: Right. And I, I think it definitely speaks to the era in which it's happening, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think time and place for, for all of it. I, yeah. to me, the, the the true com- uh, community policing is exactly how you described it, like walking your beat, knowing who the shop owners are, knowing who the grandmas are, like the ones that are sitting outside and looking and knowing that, you know, this kid and this kid, they're troublemakers or this kid and this kid are good. Yep. again with the, the tr- um, with the shop owners, things like that, I know when I walked my area, when I was when I was in my in my in my glory days, I guess you could say, I knew my <laughs> shop owners and there were specific ones where. It's just like any friendship or relationship, right? You pay into it and when you need to make that withdrawal, you have stuff there to to kind of build your account. There was a guy I would stop by. I made it. I wasn't a trainer, but I was senior enough in my in my area where I would bring the new guys to this area and I'd be like, "Hey, this is Jimmy. He runs it was it was a hookah bar across from the the problematic strip club, right?" And okay we would see him before the night started and, you know, talk to him a little bit, get some coffee that he had. And then when things went bad, if there was whatever, I'd be like, Hey Jimmy, did you see this, 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 and this? And again, when I made that withdrawal, there was enough balance in my account for him to be like, Oh yeah, no. And he was, it it was, it was um, reciprocal because he would do the same thing. He would say like, Hey, don't mess around near my shop because this guy's here and whatever. And, that's goes how a long way. Exactly. And that's community policing. That's community-based policing, I should say, like yes. knowing your people and knowing their needs and, and things like that. I remember just another anecdote with it is I, I was in my area or I, I was working narcotics in an area, then I went back to patrol and I just happened to be driving in that area and I got out with some dude who was washing his car. And I was like, "Hey man, you know, you know, just kind of shooting it with him and I asked him about this drug house that we had hit I don't know, six months prior. And he was like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, you're here and kind of doing follow-up work. This never happened. And I was like, well, you know, you live here. I need to make sure that what we did worked. If it didn't, then it obviously, you know, needs to be readdressed. And it blew his mind that a cop would sit there and talk to him about something that's already happened. Because I think when we talk about the effect we have on the community, we really don't check to see what the true effect is of the people that live next door to the places that, you know, the problem areas or whatever. So I agree. That's a valid point. And I think that like the community events definitely have a place. Um, I feel like I feel like our administrations almost are now using them to save face, and I, I don't like yeah. that because it takes away the the genuineness of those events. You know, like a, a national night out or things like that. Where yep. great idea. I, I would I love the idea. And I remember being a kid, and you know the police department would come out. They do the canine demos. They bring the helicopter. Like, it'd be great. And, you know, it's fun things to see. But now it's like, all right, I, well, obviously, I can see behind the looking glass. But it just, it seems like it lost the wow factor. And now it's just like, all yeah. right, we have to do this. And it's like, all right, it's not the same.
1: Yeah, it definitely lost its luster, man. I feel like they're force-feeding it to people now. Um, which is, like I said, I'm all for community events. I'd like, But like you were saying, there's a time and place for it, you know, and... I feel like with all that has happened in the last like couple of years that it's spearheaded that, you know, the police reform throughout the nation, you know, the face of policing looks a lot different than it did 17 years ago. I will say that. And, and I, I sit back and I think about like when I first started my career and I'm like, damn, dude, I've been doing this for 17 years. And it just it doesn't feel like it's been 17 years. But then when I start to look back at the changes in policing, I'm like blown away because it is right. completely different from when I first started.
0: Yes. I, I could. I mean, even in the short time that I was on the job and, and now it's like, wait a second, what what happened here? You're right. You yeah. like, you miss because you're so far into it. And then when you pull back and look, it's like, whoa, what, you know, how did this all change? And it, 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 you know, obviously I don't know the same experience you do, but I'm sure it was a very gradual one for the most part. And then obviously 2020 kind of just blew the lid off the place, but.
1: Oh yeah. It went in a, it went into overdrive in 2020 because you started yeah. to see a little bit of change, right? Uh, you know, here we had the, the Eric Gardner case that changed mm-hmm. policing just a little bit. It was like little things here and there. But I think the whole George Floyd situation really changed the face of what we know is policing today. So like anybody who wasn't on the job prior to that, I don't think they really understood how different it was. You know, you'd have to be on prior to to really understand the magnitude of the change that was taking place. Yes. And, um, you know, it's it's mind blowing, man. And you know i remember getting on the job and being like man i'll probably do like 25 years or something like that because i loved it so much Mm -hmm. i feel like the the, the, every year that goes by that number 25 gets whittled (laughs) down (laughs) so now like 20 is the number that it's whittled down to which is what i'm required to give
0: Mm -hmm. i remember when i was starting out and i was so gung-ho about it i loved it i was like man i could totally see me like Going all the way and then being chief somewhere, like I just love long. Oh, and yeah. want Nothing else. And then, like you said, as time went on, I just pulled back. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you know, I won't wear a white shirt. I'll just you know, sergeant will be amazing. And then yeah. again, when when all that got depleted, I'm like, listen, if I can get through lunch, then we're gonna be it's gonna <laughs> yeah, be a yeah, good yeah. day.
1: You sound, you sound a lot like me, man. That's a, that's how it is now. It's just like, just trying to 24 hours at a time. That's what I try to tell people. Right. You know, um, right. especially with this job because. I tell people this all the time, you know, um, police culture has changed a lot within like the locker room, that locker room culture has changed a lot. And, um, you know, it used to be a lot more like, Hey, we're going to get off of work and have a couple of drinks. You don't really see that so much now. That's, that's tapered down a lot. Um, people are more like health conscious and aware of their, like aware of themselves. I feel like before it was like people were like smoking cigarettes, you know, um, drinking it's, it's, it's changed a lot, man. Like you got kids now, <laughs> they're telling you to eat, you know, gluten free or, 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 or like, uh, you know, um, they're vegan. It's like, it's, it's changed, man. It's not like how it was when I first got on. And right. I, I think that change is good because cops now are starting to be more aware of, of like the dangers and the ills of the job because, for every good thing that happens here, there's two bad things that happen as well. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, as a young, impressionable mind, you got to be aware of that, you know, yeah, you don't and, really and, realize that it's happening.
0: For sure. And, you know, you don't want to promote the negative or the bad habits or things like that. But you can also see, and this is where it gets bad, right? Because there is nothing wrong with two adults or a group of adults going out for drinks after work. There's nothing wrong with that the problem is is when it gets excessive and unfortunately we have these negative coping mechanisms where that goes completely off the rails really quick and then you get all the problems with you know the legal issues the addiction issues things like that Mm -hmm. um so yes you you know it's good to promote it's it sucks that cops see the alcohol and other nefarious activities as the the team building activities because it's like you're right, we're kind of losing that. We're losing the the common ground, the go hanging out after work thing because a lot of cops see, like, oh, well, we gotta go to the bar. Okay, what else can we do? And that's right. And you know, you get the the individualized thing. I know when I left my one department and now where I am now, I was in that mind. I was like, all right, I want nothing to do with these people off duty. When I'm off, I'm off, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm I'm looking back at it going, I'm I'm with these people for, you know anywhere from 20 to 30 years, like you said, Mm -hmm. I got to make a family out of this. Like I can't, they can't just be coworkers. It's not, it's, it's not good for me. It's not good for us. There has to be more. There has to be more to me to give to them. And there's, I think there's plenty of options and plenty of opportunities to have that camaraderie built up from the ground that doesn't involve, you know, alcohol or tobacco or whatever. And obviously, you know, you're, you're a big gym guy, And I feel like working out with the people you work with is such a big thing, too. Like, that's a great way to, like, you know, share experiences that are good for you as opposed to the ones that are bad.
1: Oh, yeah. I I can find out a lot about a person through a workout. You know, my thing is um, putting people in uncomfortable situations will, will let you know what type of character they have. So I always tell guys, hey, man, you know. I'm going to go in and work out. Would you, would you, you know, you want to join me? And some, some guys are a little like weary, but like I got a little group now that we go and work out a um, couple times a week. And you build great bonds doing that, you know? So I'm a big proponent of, hey, you know, the bar isn't the only place you can partake in fellowship. Let's mm-hmm. move our bodies. Let's, uh, let's sharpen, you know, sharpen the sword. You know what I mean? Because part of being a police officer, there's a physical aspect to it. I mean, a lot of it is cerebral. But there's there's times where you have to, you know, be physical. And I feel like there's no better way to to do that than either get in the gym, um, you know, figure out some way that you can raise your heart rate. Right. And then maybe have like, uh, you know, a day or two where you do some like combat sports, you do some pad work, you do some jujitsu, anything that will help you be a better police officer. You know what I mean? But if it's helping you become a better police officer it's ultimately making you a better human being. So like I'm yes. always big on guys doing stuff outside of the job and getting a habit uh, of getting a hobby and developing good habits. Cause what happens is far too often is guys really partake in these nefarious negative acts and you know, it ends up, it takes its toll. Like you said, it on the legal aspect. Um, sometimes it happens where, you know, the home starts to deteriorate because they come home and you know, they're not the happiest of people, you know, or maybe they had a couple of drinks and, you know, they're, they're raising their voice and things like that. So my thing is just, hey, dude, just do something that really takes you, takes your mind off of the job and takes away from the toxicity that this job can bring and bring something mm-hmm. positive.
0: Absolutely. And, and I love the idea of going to your brother, going to your sister, be like, hey, let's do it together. Let's let's go work out. Let's let's go roll on the mats like yep, that is so, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's something that unfortunately too many haven't figured out yet, but mm-hmm. I've noticed this trend, especially recently, I'd say since like 2020, people are going that way. Cause I mean, all the stress and negative things that have happened since then, you got to do something with you with it. It's going to tear you up. So seeing well, that big lot, shift. Man. Yeah. And seeing that shift from like, you know, I'm just thinking of all the different cop gyms that are out there. Adopt a cop BJJ, all these different trends that are coming out there five k's things like that it's so great seeing full departments or full squads getting in on it um because again you learn a lot about someone how they're going to react in those situations but you also get all the other benefits out of it to include and this this was amazing that by just doing something to make your body better for the job is going to make you a better person off the job And that, I mean, again, going back to the beginning point of our conversation, that's the end goal is to be a good person when we're all done with all this.
1: Yep. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. I always say this: like, don't be a shitty human being like do any and everything within your power to be a better person because, you know, it's going to not only benefit you, but the people who surround themselves around you. So it's going to make you a better brother. It's going to make you a better husband. It's going to make you a better cousin, whatever other titles that you have in life it's going to make you that much more better. So just try to do things that bring positivity to the table.
0: Right. And, you know, and, you know, been following you on social media, you can see that those separations, right? That separation with your fitness, with uh, your internet personality, all the other things you're into have ties to the job, right? But you've made it so that they pull apart and it helps you get that sense of identity away from it. So that way, when you're off duty, you have this sense of identity because again like we said too many people focus on the job and that becomes their identity and has that is that kind of at the end end day kind of that balance you were talking about
1: yeah um because what i started to notice is that what happens is guys get so engulfed in this job right they they forget who they are right and then also you see human beings in the worst light in this job right so you know you go to work and you could be having a phenomenal day and you walk into a situation that could just literally destroy your day you know now let's extrapolate that by like 15 16 years you become like a little bit of a bitter person you know like you know you become a little bit jaded and so i always say to make you feel a little bit more alive right do something outside of the job that you can connect to because um what i've started to notice is a huge trend in police suicide. Right. And Mm -hmm. I do believe Mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of it is that guys get so overwhelmed by this job because this is all they know and this is all they've ever focused on. They forget about the other things outside of the job. So like, you know, you hear a lot of stories of guys working 30 something years, then retiring and then committing suicide. And Mm -hmm. it's because they've, they've done this thing. This is all they know for 30 years. And then now they no longer have anything that they can really relate to. Right. Because they identify themselves as a police officer, so when people a lot of the times they'll ask me a question like, "Oh, like you know, tell me about yourself or or who are you?" The first thing a cop wants to say is, "I'm a cop." Yep. And I never lead with that. I never lead with "I'm a cop." I always lead with something else. Oh, you know, I'm a son, or you know, um, you know, I'm a I'm a football coach. I coach at a, at a high school around here. I'll mention that, and then I'll get into be- becoming a police officer because long before I I put on this uniform. And, and had this gun and shield. I was a human being, right? I had dreams and aspirations before I even knew that I wanted to become a police officer. And I have, you know, God-given abilities and talents that I associate with myself, not just with my job. And I think what happens is these are, this is like one of those careers that y- you get in and you identify with the career so much that you lose a lot of yourself. And I always tell people, you got to do things to reconnect with who you are as a human being. Mm-hmm. Because... You're only doing this for X amount of time. And then you're going to hang it up one day. Who are you when you hang up this gun and shield? You know, and people lose, they lose, they lose that really quick, man. They get so hyper-focused on being a, you know, a police officer that they forget who they were before, you know? So I always say reconnect with the person that you were before you put on that gun and shield.
0: Spot on. And, And what happens when it's taken away from you, right? Like, it's great if you do your full career and then you hang it up and then you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. But what if an injury happens? What if you get in trouble yep. and you lose yep. it because you have no other sense of identity? Then you really are looking at, you know, looking into the abyss. And that's what I dealt with is like, I left the job and I was like, what do I do now? And it did. It took me a long time to realize all right, I had skills, I had interests, I had everything before mm-hmm. this job losing that part of my it's not part of your identity it's what you do right and and it's it's an admirable thing and and i get i get kind of pissing matches online about it like when people call it a calling right very specific people do this job and it's amazing and it's admirable and we love it and yes you were called to do it right but i feel like people when they call it a calling almost feel like it's a death wish like they are this is my calling i can't leave I, i this is all i got it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, don't, yeah. don't, don't pigeonhole yourself like that because that's not the case at all. Like, you have all these skills, and people who do think about leaving, or when they are forced to leave for one reason or another, they're like, Well, what am I gonna do now? I don't know any other skills. I'm like, look at everything you had to do to be a cop. You you have plenty of skills and and interests and loves and passions and things like that. So I think you're absolutely right that being connected to something you've got your your workouts you got all these different things like having all these different things and don't i i would say don't even just put it to one thing do many things so that way you have so many things to occupy your time and i feel (laughs) you said something and it made me think of like when i was in the in the academy and and when i was first starting out every trainer i had was like what kind of hobbies you have and i would say something and you know, did I do that a lot in the beginning of my career? No. Like all the hobbies that I had when I started out, they kind of went, fell by the wayside because again, I was a cop. I was a cop. I was a cop. And I feel like what we need to do to the people in the beginning of their careers is force, not force them. That's not the right word, but really push on them being like, keep those hobbies, stay active, do those things that you love. If you like fishing, if you like painting, do that. When you get off work, do that. Like, don't, don't get off work just to go pick up an overtime job and come right back in. That's not the right way. And, I, you know, when you start getting that that overtime money or, you know, the, the cop Ooh. money, you're like, I want more of that, you know. Oh, yeah.
1: It's 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 like um, I always tell guys, like, don't get used to those big overtime checks because mm-hmm. it, 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 you get addicted to it. It's it, it has that um, same type of feel, you know, and and um, what ends up happening is like you, you start to see this money coming in and then you're like, you know what? Um, I'm, you know, I want to get a boat this year, so I'm going to do X amount of, you start to factor in these things and then, and then you start working these ridiculous amounts of overtime and then the things that you loved to do, you no longer do because now you're chasing a number or you're chasing, you know, the next thing that you're going to purchase. It's like, you got to put emphasis on what really matters, you know? And Mm -hmm. I always tell people there's three things you should be concerned about, right? It's your mind, body, and spirit, you know, and everything else will fall in place. If those three things are in line, mind, body, and spirit, very simple. So people often lose sight of those things because there's external factors that make you lose complete sight of that you know and i th- you know
0: yeah and i think that you know for me it was like a respect thing when i would come in for overtime and i'd see like one of the salty sergeants or one of the the older guys that i looked up to be like oh you're still here or you're back like i was like a, yeah i'm that dedicated to this job man i'm gonna be i'm gonna make a name for myself doing this and blah 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 and I was thinking about a sports, a sports metaphor. Like, you know, when, when I, when I was talking about that legacy, right. When I leave, they're going to know like, man, this guy was a company man. He was dedicated. All his free time was here. Now I look back at that going, what was I thinking? What was I doing? So I tell, I tell the the young guys all the time, like, don't do that. Like literally this marathon sprint analogy is perfect and really pace yourself.
1: Yeah, because you're just a cog in the machine, man. You're you're replaceable. I always tell guys that you know, the minute, the day you retire, there's going to be a guy that's going to take your position and take actually take the shield that you wear. And mm-hmm. no one will think twice about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The only people that will remember you will be like your partners or the guys, whatever unit you worked in. Like those are the people that will remember you. But the job, the job will remember you.
0: Mm-hmm. The job is that. it It is a job. And as an organization, it is their job to keep people coming in you know, reallocating resources. So literally the job will not remember you. And I, when I left my old agency to go to my new one, I came back about a year later just to, you know, shoot the shit or whatever. And there were brand new guys who were like in training when I left. No idea who I was. They didn't, they had no, and this is less than a year. Obviously, like you said, the, the people that I was tight with, the guys I ran with, they knew me, we bullshitted. That was great. But the guys that were coming up, it's not like they're going to be like, putting your your uniform up in the hall of fame it's not like yeah you know
1: you know what like i'm happy you said that because i always use like a sports analogy Mm -hmm. uh when it comes to police work it's it's like you're you're a part of this like franchise team right and they just want to know are you are you able to go can you go today can can he play if you can't play trust me there's somebody that's going to take your spot Mm -hmm. you know and and that's what it comes down to you know like there's no, there's no loyalty in this. There's no, they don't owe you anything. The only thing they owe you is, is, uh, oh, you gave us whatever you, you know, 20 or 25 years. All right, cool. You get your pension. That's the only thing they owe you. They don't owe you anything else other than that. You right. know what I mean? And I try to tell people that and they, they almost get caught up in, in like the, uh, the fantasy of who they are,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, like, oh, I'm a cop's cop. I go out there, I, you know, I, I lock everybody up. I do this. I do that. Yeah, dude, you, it, what happens if you hurt your back tomorrow? There's going to be another you doing the same thing that you're doing. You're not different. This is not a job to be an individual. Like if you think your individuality stands out because there's, this is a job that people like a type personalities are in. So believe me, there's, there's 20 more yous out there. You're not the only one.
0: Right. And when you do hurt your back and you can't work anymore, those phone calls stop super quick.
1: Like the ones that say, Hey
0: man, how you doing? Within a year they're gone. They're not checking on you, whatever. But you know who will be checking on you? Your family, your friends, your family. And people that are not in the job.
1: Yep, you got to realize you got to prioritize who, who matters in your life, you know, exactly. and what matters in your life. And I think this is this job is easy to get lost, man. Very easy. Um, like I said, as a young cop, I, I wanted to be like Mister Cop, 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 and then I got into a situation where like they reminded me of like who I was, and like you know, if it, you're not a cop unless you get into some kind of something. Where like you know they bring you upstairs and they have a conversation with you you know like and you talk you, you you put things in perspective you know like thank God I never had any like bad boy time I never got suspended or anything like that but you know but sitting down in front of like the administration and them asking you questions about stuff really puts thing in puts puts things into perspective you know so I always tell kids man don't get too too deep man because sometimes you might not be able to make it back you know
0: right absolutely and. You know, I say like it's good to be proud of your job, it's good to be proud of your work, but you can love this job all you want, it will never love you back. Because it can't. Yes. Because it, it it's a job, right? Yeah.
1: And it's not designed to love you to love you back.
0: Correct. And okay. I said, you know, when when I when I really came to this realization, I, I made the analogy it's the most abusive relationship I've ever been in because I gave so much of it so so much of myself to it. And I got nothing back, but it's not designed to do that. Right. So Mm -hmm. again, we, we get this fantasy of what this job's going to be or what our impact on the job's going to be, or what our place in it's going to be. And as you start peeling back and start going back and really looking at what it is, that's where I, I try to like grind into people's head. Like, no, you know, don't look at it that way. Again, take care of yourself, do the job. Well, be proud of the work you do. And that's it. Like, that's the cutoff. Like, don't, you know, you're not going to be the, Le- John, Le- the LeBron of police work because yep. there is no LeBron of police there work. There is right? no it's LeBron, not... exactly. So, okay. you know, because when I went from one agency to the other, that's that was my mindset. I was like, oh, man, they're going to look at me as like this big city cop coming into this smaller agency with all this stuff, you know, all these, uh, all this chess candy on me. And they're just going to be like, wow, look at this. Guy. No, they did not care. They gave zero fucks about who I was, you yeah. know, and what I did. Because now you're in
1: their world. You know what I Correct. mean? Correct. Like, we don't yep. care about what you did at your old job. It's like you're here now, and we got a certain way to do things. And that was like something I had to adjust to because, like, oh yeah, you're this you're this city cop. Yeah, who cares? Like this is you know this this is something different. So we right. do things a certain way. So once I learned the lay of the land, everything kind of worked itself out. But I, and I wasn't trying to go against the grain, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, once I figured out okay, I need to do this to get here. All right, cool. And then I just started to work on what I wanted to do as a you know as a police officer in my career. And once I figured that out, I kind of, it was like on autopilot from there, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, it's so important. You know, we're talking from experience here. And I, I always, I don't say things that I haven't experienced. And if I do say something that I haven't experienced, I'll, I'll be flat out and be like, I, I might be talking out of turn here. But the stuff we're talking about, like this is stuff that we have experienced, right? Like changing mm-hmm. departments, seeing the 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 culture shock of different things. So I really appreciate you sharing that. and It sounds like we do have similar perspectives on all this. And the last thing I want to put on this is that, you know, if you died in, you know, either on, on duty or, you know, while you're serving, they're going to have the funeral, they're going to get the bagpipes, everything, but they're already going to be looking for your replacement. They're oh, already yeah, probably, because because they have to, right? That's what the organization yeah. does.
1: They they got a number that they need to keep, right? And you're part of that number. So if you get eliminated, there was somebody already in the chamber ready to fill that spot.
0: Exactly, and you know who the people that are next to your casket crying, your family, whoever that might be, right? Whoever that is to mm-hmm. you, are never going to say, "I'm so glad he picked up all that overtime. I'm so glad he worked this much." You know, and that perspective, that that mindset, is what really. Kind of put things into perspective for me. It was like, all right, there's more to me than this job, and that's what ultimately got me stepping away. But I, I, I hate when I say that because I don't want people just to like leave the leave the department or leave the job. That's not what I'm saying. But just understand that balance and understand what's truly important in your life.
1: Yeah, balance is key, man. Once you figure out that life is a little bit easier, you know, we we have enough stressors that we deal with. But like, if you you. The one thing that you have to emphasize is you can control what you can control, you know, and how you how you react to certain things. Everything else that's out of your control, you can't do anything about it. So you getting super frustrated or super upset. is not solving the problem. Just figure out how you can control what you can control. And I think everything else kind of works itself out.
0: That is that gave me chills because that is what I try to push all the time is focusing on that dichotomy of control, what you control versus what you can't. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, that's what's going to set you free. That is going to be that mental clarity, and it's so hard because we it's so easy to get focused on the stuff that we have no control over. That's why No control over. That's why the news is such a big business because we're all focused on things that we have no control over whatsoever. Like, what mm-hmm. is happening in the House right now? What's happening with the president? I have no control over it. I voted, and that, that was my control. Everything else that's going on, I have no control over, so why am I going to worry about it? And, and that was super evident in a in a grand scheme when when the Ukraine thing was like on the news 24 hours a day and I was getting a little a little worried like oh god what's going to happen well I can focus on what's happening in my house and and like you said focus on what what kind of house you're going to live in and that's yep. that's you know you can apply it to a bunch of different things so Absolutely. Jason we're going to go ahead and get ready to wrap up I do have a few uh, scripted questions I want to run by you real quick this is what I call the mental minute and kind of breaking you down all right ready here we go what is the best book that you've read recently
1: Ooh, the best book that i've read recently um i'm gonna say um the art of now by eckhart tolle
0: okay what's that about
1: Uh, it's like a self-help book um it um it's, it's it's just about like figuring out who you are and your place in the universe that it helped me out a lot. That and if um, so I'm going to just add another book, uh, mm-hmm. The Four Agreements. If you haven't read that, read that. It is a, It changed my life.
0: Okay. I haven't heard of either of them. I'm going to have to look into them. Yeah. Uh, what is something you do to ground yourself?
1: Um, I figure out a way to give back somehow, some way. So um, like now I'm coaching football. So that's like a way that I, you know, I ground myself because I'm basically looking at kids that, you know, I was in their shoes 20 plus years ago and I'm able to impact their lives in a positive light. So like, that's something I do to ground myself, just coaching football and being around like young impressionable minds and making them, you know, social assets, you know, cause a lot, a lot of it is a lot of these kids don't have any accountability. Um, so my whole thing is just making sure that they know their place in the world and how to, you know, pay it forward.
0: Like that. What is something you do for self-care?
1: meditation man that's like my that's been like my new thing last like year so meditating has really helped me
0: nice do you do like the you know sit on the floor put on some music What what's your how's, uh, what's no, your meditation I setup table.
1: I, I sit at a table um and i do guided meditation i use this app called headspace mm-hmm. um and I, that's how i try to start my day is with a nice meditation doesn't have to be long like i started out doing like three minute meditations I've worked all the way up to like 35 minute minute uh, meditations it it's it all it builds up to a greater like a greater scheme of things so start small and then you know eventually work your way up
0: yep I uh I used to use headspace and then for a long time I didn't use it stopped with the app stop with the membership but I that's another thing like we were talking in the beginning like habit building habit forming that's another one that I want to get into um meditation is great. And I actually just listened to a podcast this morning who said that meditation in the morning or when you first wake up is infinitely more, um, impactful than if you do it like before sleep, which is what I used to do. So I really, when I start doing it again, I really want to take a look into it because apparently, um, you know, getting your, whatever it does to your cognitive and to your brain chemistry, um, mm-hmm. kind of almost inhibits good quality sleep if you do it later in the day or like right before bed Uh, so yeah so it's just a little tidbit that i just learned uh so i figure i'd pass that along um would you open up an envelope with your death date written on the inside
1: Mm, no i would i wouldn't want to know when i was gonna go that'd be too like too too scary for me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, because I have this philosophy, right? I live, I live life 24 hours at a time. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I I wouldn't want to know when I was going to, like when my demise was going to be, because I wouldn't be able to really live every day. Like, like it was a fresh 24 hour if I knew when I was
0: going to die. Right. With that, with that uncertainty, there's a, I'm big into stoic philosophy and there's a kind of a teaching with it. It's like, think every, every day when you go to bed, you're going to die. Think that. And then mm-hmm. when you wake up, it's like, it's like overtime. It's like bonus play. Like, oh boy, I got, I got a new, l- new lease on life, literally. And if you keep doing that, you know, again, there's no regrets. There's no, oh, I would have, should have, could have. And that's- I've been living
1: like that since 21, man. I had somebody tell me when I was, when, um, that I wouldn't live to see the age of 21. So I feel like every day since 21 is just like, uh, you know, it's overtime. It's, it's, it's extra. So I've been doing that for a long time. Man. Yeah.
0: I, 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 like what you're saying. Uh, would you be friends with yourself?
1: Would I be friends with myself? Absolutely. I, th- I feel like I'm a pretty uh, cool guy. I, um, you know, I'm pretty grounded. Um, I I I don't wake up with any kind of malice, like on my heart, or on my spirit. I literally try to go out and just try to improve others, uh, like other people's lives. So, I mean, I'd be I'd be cool with myself. If, like if I wasn't me, I'd be friends with 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 Jason, you know.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. What do you want from other people?
1: Ooh, what do I want from other people? Just reciprocation. Like just, you know, the way I treat you, you should treat me, you know, because I feel like, you know, as you're saying in the Bible, like do unto others as others doing to you, right? So I would say that if I'm out here, you know, preaching love, light, and, and, and abundance and happiness, that you should be able to reciprocate that. So I just would want reciprocation of, of those things. Nice.
0: What sort of impact are you looking to make and how do you make it?
1: Ooh, uh, that's a great question. Um, Just paying it forward. That's the impact I want to make. Like, I want to be able to enrich people's lives. So anything I can do to make someone else um, better, maybe by them watching me and like some of the mistakes that I've made and, and seeing them not make those mistakes and being able to navigate life in a different light. Um, that's ultimately what I want. I want to enrich other people's lives. I think that's what all human beings were put here for is to inspire and help others. That's all I really want to do.
0: Nice. What? How do you define the word friendship?
1: Oh, friendship. Um, friendship to me is very similar to uh, like love, right? And love is to me is like unwavering. It's an undying thing. So if I say I'm your friend, I'm showing up for you no matter what. But I know like a real friend wouldn't put me in a situation that would harm me. You know what I mean? So like friendship to me should be like a unwavering undying love, but knowing that that person wants the best from you and out of you. So they, they just be in your life to help you be better and vice versa.
0: It kind of goes with what you were saying about reciprocity, like, you know, getting it back and and you're putting it out there to get it back. So that, that's a good one. How do you define the word happy and what makes you happy?
1: Ooh, happy. Um, I don't, I, Happy is like one of those words that it's like it it got lost in translation. Um, For me, happiness is just like I feel like I've I've manifested exactly where I am in my life right now. Um, I cannot say that I'm not a like I'm not a happy person because I feel like anything and everything that I've ever wanted in my life, I have. So I guess I mean, happiness would be attaining all that you ever sought out for in life. And being content with that that would be like happiness and like what makes me happy is just being around my family and um being able to, to to move my body freely those are like the two things that really set my soul on fire so
0: right and not only that but those two things are things that we all too often take for granted
1: take for granted exactly man because you know you can lose you can lose the ability to walk you can lose a mother you can lose a father and i feel mm-hmm. like people go to bed at night thinking that those things will be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend that like went to bed one time and had an aneurysm in his sleep and died, you know? And like that to me was like one of the most pivotal moments of my life. Cause he was a pretty healthy guy. He just went to bed one night and just never woke up again. Yeah. I think far too often we, we go to bed thinking that we're going to wake up in the morning. And that's like part of my daily rituals. Like the minute that I walk into my house, I'm like, you know, I, I thank my creator for, you know, leaving the same, like returning the same way I left. With like sound mind, body, and spirit. I always mm-hmm. say that anytime I walk into my home.
0: Yeah, there's, a, there's another podcast that I saw a clip of and they said same, very, very similar. It's like, what are you grateful for? And he's like, that I make it home every day because mm-hmm. there's a good chance that I won't. There are so many forces outside of my house right now that would try to kill me by accident oh, yeah. or design. And the fact oh, yeah. that they don't and the fact that I get home is a blessing because the odds are against me every single day.
1: Oh, yeah, the minute you step foot out of the because that's an uncontrollable setting. So the variables go through the roof. You know, I can control everything that happens in my home, you know, unless some natural disaster comes to my neighborhood and, like, rips my house off the ground and, you know, drops us off somewhere. You know, I can't control that, but I can control everything in my home. The minute I leave here, I have no control over anything. I can literally pull out of a parking spot and get T-boned, and that would be the end of me, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Great, great, uh, great perspective on that. And the last one I got for you today, man. What do you think is the meaning of life?
1: Figuring out what your your gift is and then using that to help others. Uh, I think a lot of people lose sight of that. Like, we're all gifted beings. But the problem is a lot of us don't realize what that gift is and we go through, life never knowing what that gift is. So what I try to tell people is just listen to the universe and, like, there's going to be a redundancy, right? There's going to be something that people have told you that you do well your entire life you just never paid attention to it someone to say hey man like you know you're this well-spoken guy you can speak well or you can sing or just pay attention to the reoccurring theme people will tell you exactly what your gift is you just have to quiet the mind and really listen to the repetitious messages that the universe is trying to send you
0: absolutely that and that's you know when you when you talk to people right you talk to your friends talk to people that really get you and they're like you know, what is it about me that makes me special? Why am I significant in your life? And you know, they're going to start breaking down like, Oh, you know, you're there when I, when I need you and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, 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 That could be any of your friends, any, anybody that's close mm-hmm. to you. What about me? Why, you know, and exactly you're, they're not going to tell you cause they're not going to be able to, that's not really a, a cognitive thought people have. That's, that's like, if I asked you, you know, when, what was the exact moment you started loving, you know, your significant other or whatever it might be? You can't do that. You can't. You can't quantify that. But if you start looking, like you said, for the the subtle things, right, the unspoken things, you start figuring out, like, oh, this is the impact I have on people's lives. And I, I really liked how you said that because you kind of said it more eloquently than me. So I really appreciate that as well. <laughs> Hey, man, I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your insight. If people want to get in contact with you, they want to see or, or get to know more about you, where do they find you and uh, how they get in contact with you?
1: Um, I'm on Instagram, man. So it's the real Jumpman J. I'm trying to get over to like TikTok. It's kind of a different world for me. So um, <laughs> just right now, it's going to be Instagram, the real Jumpman J.
0: Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Everybody go check them out. Get some insight. You host like what, 57 podcasts about or something like that?
1: Yeah, man, I, I got my hands in a, in a lot of different pots, man. I I, I went in on the whole podcasting a couple of years ago, and it worked it worked itself out. So I run a couple, but I have um, my own podcast, which is called Behind the Mic. It's on Spotify, and that's doing very well now. So I'm, you know, after starting out helping others, I finally found some time to do something for myself. So
0: awesome! And I'm going to be on another one of his, the uh, Inside the Labyrinth, uh, coming up probably by the time this airs so it'll be good to to see how that goes i'm looking forward to that one yeah. as well
1: it's gonna be me and you and frankie man it's be i can't wait
0: one. can't wait we've been talking to him quite a bit so uh everyone yes, go sir. check out jay and jay once again thanks for your time man thank you brother all right no problem everyone stay tuned we'll wrap it up and uh jay we'll talk to you later all right brother And once again, special thanks to the man himself, Jason LaCayo, for all that insight. Jason's part of the group Reps for Responders. They're on Instagram. They're based out in New York. All about helping out our law enforcement brothers and sisters be the best that they can be. Uh, we're going to have a couple people on from their group throughout the year. So we had Jason. Then we got uh, Frankie. We're going to have Nick come on. And uh, we're going to talk about different things, their stories. And, um, it's a good group guys. Go check them out reps for responders. It's on Instagram. They got a whole bunch of good stuff there that, uh, I really recommend you guys check out. You know, one of the things that I like the most about doing this podcast is that we get some true masters of their crafts. Come on here, talk, tell their stories. And they're just everyday folks. And we're so lucky to have that experience, have that opportunity for them to share their experiences with us next week is going to be no different. We'll talk about that in just a minute. One thing I really want to take away from today's episode is, well, one of them is don't lose yourself in the job or agency, but I think we've kind of pressed on that a lot recently. So we're going to take a step away from that for a second. The other topic that he mentioned that I really want to talk about is when he left NYPD to go somewhere where he could work better, where he could be better. And I just want to talk to whoever's out there who works at a major agency, not even, I mean, if you work at an agency that just doesn't do it for you, don't feel like you're trapped because you're, you know, you're not invested or things like that. Sometimes you got to let that go to let yourself find happiness. So it's okay that you can go work as just as hard, right? Maybe make some more money and not, not burn your candle all the way out to the bottom of the wick. I did it. You know, um, I left before I was vested I left money, I left a good less time till retirement, but overall, my decision was much better for me. So you got to keep that in mind. And plenty of other people have done it as well. And actually, we are going to talk to them this week in our supplemental report. Um, We actually had a lot of people reach out to me, say that they want to talk about this topic. Unfortunately, the way my schedule has been recently, uh, we may not have them all caught up and and put in for this week's episode, but we're going to go ahead and make sure you have more bonus content next week because I really want these conversations to be heard. I think it's important and I really think it puts a lot of things into perspective. Next week, our show is very special, and it's very special for a few reasons. First things first, my guest is Officer Bill Morrow. You may know him as The Stoic Cop. He was the very first person that I interviewed for this show back in 2020. His episode, I think, was episode three, but I interviewed him first, because that's just how show business works, baby. And uh, so I haven't talked to him on the podcast since, so it's really going to be interesting to talk about where he was then to where he is now he's currently doing a discipline mental challenge fitness challenge called a murph a day for 365 days if you don't know what that is or if you do know what that is we're going to talk about it and kind of all the implications of it next week and we're also going to talk about why it is good to live uncomfortably and why that is the way to go so lots to look forward to next week i really hope you guys tune in it's great it's we got a lot of great stuff coming. Trust me. I could just go ahead and tell you everything, but I think it's more fun just to kind of leak it out one week at a time. Be like, oh, we got this. Oh, we got this. And just hopefully see your reactions to it. Until then, rate and review the podcast wherever you can, wherever you listen to it. If there's a rate button, a review button, anything like that, click it. Leave a review if you have a username. If you don't, create one just to comment and say that you like the show. I don't get it, but according to the algorithm, that is what they want. It helps us get seen by more people. Uh, I just changed the subcategory or the category that we are classified in, so anything that could kind of get us up in the rankings would be great. Also, spread the word to your coworkers, to your buddies, anyone that you think could take value in this. If you're a sergeant, an FTO, anyone above that, share it with your underlings. If you train a class and I happen to talk about something that uh, has to do with one of your you know topics, Show them my link. Get get with me and I can make you some kind of video content to put in your training. I'll I'll do it, man. I got time. Well, I don't really have time, but I'll do it because one, I want to help everybody out, and two, I want to help me out. So it really just kind of works that way. So keep spreading the word. Also, check out the merch store. We have two brand new stickers that dropped this week. And I've got more new stuff coming. So just you know, check it out. Get your own stuff, you know buy something for your friends, whatever. It's 10-8-memes.ecwid.com. The link is in all my bios and all my social medias. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, True Social, and Facebook will be up eventually. Uh, I got to work on a few things with that. Until next week, friends, take care of each other. Stay safe. Supplemental Report will be out tomorrow, which is Friday. Until then, 10-8 out. Peace!